What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Thoughts from a Balcony. Today, I have on a very impressive person that I found on Instagram. And as some of you may know, I recently got into rock climbing and been working at a Cleveland rock climbing gym over called No Sotros. And Charlie we have on today is one of the most impressive people I've seen in terms of rock climbing, training for rock climbing. So it's a pleasure to have him on. Charlie, I appreciate you, bro. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on, Trevor. For sure, dude. So, so dude, tell me, how did you get into rock climbing? You know, was it something that you found early on in your training career or was this something that kind of evolved over time? Um, so I was a jock growing up as a kid. I was on like the travel and, uh, school and club teams for baseball, basketball, and soccer, like all year round. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, I, I just loved movement and, uh, being an athletic kid, like in my backyard, I grew up in the woods, on the trees. Parents were really great about, uh, introducing me to like calisthenics and just, uh, exercise at an early age. And then I found skateboarding, which I really liked because it was uh, a form of, I was a very creative kid also. I, I loved drawing, creating games. I, art was like a huge passion, secondary to sports. And when I found skating, it kind of seemed like this perfect blend of movement and creativity where, you know, every day it was different. Every trick was essentially different because it was in a different location on a different piece of terrain. And... Yeah, I love the art on the boards and everything. It was kind of like what the other sports lacked in creativity, and it was all individual. So I didn't have to wait uh, for action in the sport. If I was on the court or even if I was sitting out, you know, sometimes you're not doing something. So, uh, and that's where my ADHD really comes <laughs> into play. I, I've, I've had a, always struggled with um, ADHD. I'm diagnosed from a very young age, and that's what skateboarding was great for. And um, one day I needed a new helmet for uh, for skating. And I knew there was a local skate park about seven minutes from my house. So I went there and it turned out, you know, I hadn't been there to that specific park in like a year and a half. And in the time I hadn't been there, they transformed into the, a climbing gym. And when I walked in, it, I've never, to this day, I've really never had this feeling. And, it, you know, it sounds like people, you know, you hear this story people have. Uh, this feeling when they see something like oh, from, the, from that moment I knew, but when I walked in, it was the most powerful emotion I've ever had in terms of excitement. When I saw this place, it was, it was as if no one needed to explain what it was, but I knew I wanted to go back there every single day for the rest of my life. And when I, I saw it, I lit up, begged my parents to let me to, to try it, do it's called a walk-in just, climb the walls twice with a staff member holding the rope for you. Mm. And I did that, begged them to, to do it again. They let me do it again. It was like 40 bucks. Um, and they're like, okay, we, we you got to gotta stop. This is getting expensive. It's like, can I come back tomorrow, please? So I actually went back uh, for two weeks straight. Uh, I, I didn't miss a day for about 14 days. And then one of the staff members, when I showed up, said, I'm not belaying you today. Uh, you need to take what's called a rest day. You, you can't climb. Your skin is in shambles. You're, you're telling me you're tired. I was like, but I want to so badly. It's like, if you rest, you'll get stronger. Like, okay. 
and we took a minute at the front desk, talked about it, I joined the team, and since then, I've never lost the endless sight that I have rock climbing. That's awesome, man. And you actually bring up a really good point. Well, first, first I want to touch on the ADHD part of it, because my fiance is a teacher at a school that specifies in just ADHD kids, so... They're a handful for sure. <laughs> and then she's got to come home into a, she's got to come home into an ADHD kid too. Right. So, um, a lot of, a lot of what they do in all their classes, and this is not just PE and health, which is what she's a teacher in is movement is constant movement because it's just always needing to move your body, get the juices flowing and have your brain be like occupied on something. If you're just sitting around looking at looking at the wall or looking at a lecture, it's impossible to just focus and understand. And I feel the exact same way. And I see your head nodding right now. And I know you feel that way too. Impossible. I, yeah, all all class long my whole life. It was doodling or talking and being the class clown. Listening to something straight is uh, you you really have to devote serious, concerted time throughout your day as an adult to master that skill. Even now for me, if I, I have to exert severe discipline and focus. I bet. But, yeah. I bet. And I, I always feel like the people who get into a movement-based career, whether that be training or even just being an athlete like yourself, a lot of people have that type of brain where they're drawn to that movement because it's the one way where they don't feel bored or feel distracted or even just that feeling of like uneasiness, I guess you would call it, right? When you're just sitting there and your brain's not really or your body's not moving around. It's just like an uneasy feeling. So it's 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 cool to see people who do have this a similar brain to myself getting into into rock climbing and everything. But the second piece here, you talked about recovery and rest days. And I really hope a lot of people from Nosotros listen to this podcast because I've had a bunch of people I've I've been working with mobility on and the hardest concept to drill into their head is taking a rest day because they love this sport. And I understand it. You know, you want to get up on the wall. You want to try this new route that you've been working on for the past three days. And you think this fourth day, I got it. This is it. But you just spent, you know, the past three days for two hours each day climbing your ass off. Your fingers are, like you mentioned, your skin is falling off your fingers, your legs and your arms, your forearms are probably extremely sore. So talk to me a little bit about how do you incorporate recovery into your current training plan? Um, well, I I got my CSCS uh, four years ago. That makes me, a, I mean, that doesn't make me, you know, it's like, uh, that, that is this certified strength and conditioning specialist. So up until that point, I understood that rest days were necessary, but I didn't know the the scientific aspect of what's actually going on in your body, like physiologically, that you know makes a rest day significant and necessary. And I, I started tracking my accumulated workload. Uh, so when when I train, you know, I sometimes I'll need one rest day, and you know you can always you can usually feel when you need a rest day. Uh, and other times, you know, you might not feel that you need a rest day, but, you know, the, the literature says that you will benefit from a rest day. 
of at least a quote unquote, I call them like no damage days. Mm. So like when you're exercise, you know, you're damaging tissue or you're, you're sending, uh, you're getting a high metabolic load, hormonal responses, um, DOMS is occurring. So you, you kind of, you should know that you need to let the body rest and deal with whatever stimulus trying to adapt to. But, um, now I kind of have a, a deeper understanding of how much rest my body needs and not only when I need a single rest day, but when I need a double rest day, mm. not based off of, you know, like the average person is like, I work today, therefore I need to rest tomorrow. But really what it is, is my body is dealing with X amount of systemic fatigue in the form of, you know, sinew breakdown and actual damage to my soft tissue, uh, metabolic stress, uh, my nervous system has been, you know, down. I'm much more tired in the morning. I'm much more tired throughout the day. My uh, heart rate variability is down. And things like that don't recover in a single day back to 100. So if you want to keep uh, keep up with your, your training program or even keep uh, away from a plateau, you need to allow for more than one rest day. And I, I, I really struggle sometimes to drive that home to my clients that I work with because so many people get get antsy and it's like you know you you just have to take a no damage day like maybe that first day is you just do some light mobility like static stretching no, no strength through mobility and then the next day maybe you go on a long hike something that's not going to cause damage mm. I like that word I like that word a lot no damage days I'm going to start start using that because that's one thing I would have changed if I look back on my football career and one thing I really would have changed in terms of recovery is on my rest days, not just sitting around at the house, playing video games, chilling out, rather taking those days to do mobility, going on a hike. Like you said, I think walking is a great exercise for just blood flow, get the nutrients to those areas that are damaged. So you can recover and rest and feel better for your next training day. Um, no, that that makes a lot of sense. So with your mobility stuff, actually, let's let's talk about your training plan right now. Obviously, you rock climb throughout the week. So so how many days do you rock climb? How many days do you lift? You know, how important is is lifting to you in in terms of, you know, your performance on the rock climbing wall, too? That's a that's a really good and kind of uh, funnily timed question because I just ended my, uh, I, I just went through a two week, two, two week, two month block of, uh, strength and conditioning, heavy training, because I returned from a long trip where I did no strength training. I was just performing outside. It was actually a two month honeymoon through Europe, but we hit six of my seven dream spots in Europe for, for climbing. So I, you know, I didn't want to have any days where I was strength training and having to possibly recover from anything. So I was just climbing all the time, taking obviously appropriate rest days. But uh, now that I'm back in a, uh, more of a a preseason approach as opposed to post uh, from, from my last outdoor performing season, I'm cutting down the amount of uh, actual workouts I do. And that's like resistance training with weights or even calisthenics. And I'm going to do almost all of my training through through climbing with the uh, exception of like, I think, 
four supplemental exercises that I'll do once a week for maintenance and light gain. But I climb about, at this point in my season, it'll look like four or maybe five days a week. It's usually alternating. It depends. I, I don't follow a weekly schedule. I, I follow a, like a, it's kind of like a weird rotating day of uh, like 12 day cycle. Gotcha. Okay. And that makes so. sense. Yeah, yeah. I got you. And you said you went on a Europe honeymoon to, to climb in different, different areas. What was that transition from climbing in a gym to finally climbing outside? It's, I mean, I can see you've been doing it for a long time. I'm curious what that transition was like though. Yeah, man, it's really funny. You know, you like you climb in the gym all the time and you have so many different implements to get on in in the facility I train at. It's insane how many options and it's it's the best gym arguably in in the country in my opinion. It's it's up there. Uh and you know, you have so many different things that can either mirror outdoors or really hone in on one type of skill. Uh and so Leading up to the trip, I, I did a lot of uh, outdoor blending. So I, I would train in, in the gym and get on things that were the most realistic to what I'd actually climb on, like literally the exact climb that I would get on when I was on the trip. And I was also climbing outside about once or twice a week. So we have good uh, local climbing here in PA. It's not my favorite, but it works. It's pretty uh, unique. Uh, and so I, I felt really prepared, but, you know, every rock – type is different and you have to deal with I didn't climb for like a week and a half when I went on the trip after my wedding so took like a full rest and was like totally ready to just tear up the rock but it it took like two days to adapt to the the style of the the rock out there every rock is different and subtle and your skin has to adapt to the new texture and Mm. that's usually actually the hard part interesting and the mental aspect of dealing with um, sometimes there's discrepancies in the grading or like the difficulty ratings. Like it might say, you know, a, uh, I'll just say the normal grade, like a V5, uh, which is easier than a V6 in the United States. The same V5 might be called a V4 across the pond in Europe. And when you get on a V5, which is now really a V6, expecting it, for it to feel like, you know, a five back home and it's way harder, that can be a real mental trip up. And you're like, wow, I am, I am not climbing well today. Damn, I'm not climbing well this whole trip where this area is so hard. This is really discouraging. But, you know, I was, I was plagued by that for one day mm. in the very beginning. And then I started, you know, you find, I'm going to turn my phone off. Sorry. <laughs> you find all the excuses and you, you, sh- you always should. Because they're they're real. It's like, well, it's hot right now, so I'm not sticking to the rock very well. Um, I'm I've been eating so much food <laughs> in Greece, and now I'm here in Italy where I'm eating more food, so I'm a little heavier. You know, my skin's also not adapted. So you like you come up with all the things, and then you say, and you know what? In the end, I'm in my dream area. I'm on my honeymoon. It doesn't matter how I'm performing. This is amazing. And then, like magic, you start performing and you start feeling amazing once you let go. 
Isn't that weird? I've always found that whatever sport, once you get out of your own head, that's when you're able to get into that flow state and really be a part of your body, feel the sport, whether that's rock climbing, basketball, football, whatever. I've always found that to be true. And I know for a fact, like there's, there was this one route I've been working on and I'm not even close to your level. Like I'm, you know, I'm an ex football player trying to rock climb, you know, it's tough with the body type, but it's been a lot of fun. There's a V zero that I've been working on at the, at the no so trust gym. And it's in this cave area. And the top one is where you have to like reach up with your right arm and kind of like hold yourself up on just one arm and have enough strength to do that. But I kept, what's it called? Barn dooring. Is that where you kind of just like fly off? And I kept doing it and it was so frustrating. And you know, the whole time in my head, I'm like, I know I can do like, I I'm strong enough to do this. I have the shoulder stability to do this. So it's interesting to hear that someone who's like been doing this for so long and who obviously has all the skills in the world still feels that way. I think it's just commonplace amongst all athletes is to go through that mental battle in their own head. Yeah, dude, it's never going to stop happening. It's the best in the world deal with it every day. And that's why they're still obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. And when it stops happening, you're doing something wrong or you're getting on things that are way too easy and you're not challenging yourself. That's a good point. So the rating scale, I... I got to ask you, what, you know, how do we rate certain routes? And I understand maybe in the gym a little bit more. I know that you have the route setters and there's a whole process with that that I'm not super familiar with. But outside, it seems like a hard process to go through. So are those ratings rated by, you know, other route setters? Or is this something that you go to the, you know, the outdoor place and go, yeah, that's that's a V4. That's a V6. So the, the first person, the first ascensionist, the, the guy who did the climb first, who had the vision of, of a line going through starting here, starting there, uh, finishing there, uh, when he does it or she does it, uh, they propose a grade. They say, you know, I think this feels like V5. And then it's up to the community to form a consensus and really settle on a grade. You know, four people of varying heights have done this and two of them called it V6 and two of them called it V5. Let's wait to see what more people do like this. We can call this one a five plus or like six minus or even five slash six. But we're going to need more input. So younger boulders, things I've seen less of sense are more, you know, arbitrary, but things that are classics that have been repeated over and over by hundreds, thousands of people. Uh, that, that's when you really have a firm idea of this is for this area. This is a, a V five. Interesting. And that's it. It's subjective. Interesting. Yeah, no, it sounds like one of the, I saw a couple of route setters in the gym recently and just watching their process. It's, it's very collaborative where you're like, is this supposed to go here? I don't know. And then they try it and then they have guinea pigs like, here, try this out. This might be a little too easy, too hard. So it is an interesting, interesting sport in that way where it is very subjective. And, you know, every person has a different feel because there's a couple like V4s that I've run through at the gym and I'm like, I can't even do this V0 over here. How does this make sense? But yeah, I, I totally understand that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you, you're always going to find that they'll set something also that's one style that like does not suit you at all. Like for you, I would imagine like a bunch of small holds with little feet oh. would feel impossible. But like a V4 with big holds, big slopey things that you can really use your muscle on and bigger moves would really suit you. Yep. Exactly right. That's so funny you said that because that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I think it was two days ago. So that's hilarious. I've known, known a couple of football players to come in the gym in my 16 years of working in a climbing gym. <laughs> I bet. Especially in PA, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So sure. uh, speaking yes. of speaking of that, say you have – let's not even take a football player. Let's take somebody who isn't super athletic, right? They come to your gym and they say, Charlie, I want to get into rock climbing, but I have no idea where to start. I don't think I'm strong enough. I might lack flexibility, but this is something I really, really want to try. What would you recommend to them for the climbing aspect, the lifting aspect, and the mobility aspect? I would recommend to right out of the gates, before you do anything, strength or mobility, climb. Mm. Get time on the wall. It's a skill sport. You need to be technique and movement focused before anything else. Uh, if you start to lift too quickly, too much, a little bit is fine to protect your body. But if you do the right type of training, you shouldn't need to rely on your strength on the wall. Because that should be a signal. You know, you should, in the very beginning, always say, I'm not strong enough. But guess what? There's always a way around the strength aspect of the move. Hmm. There's always a way to use technique. Because your toolbox of tricks that you have to use is extremely limited. So you don't know all of the little body positions that your your body can assume, all the movement patterns, all the different dynamic aspects of motion that you can use with your own body, using your weight and throwing your hips. Every move will be able to be done without strength. And if you rely on strength early, you miss out on the long-term necessary uh, tools that you're going to use throughout your entire career. So I would say get in the gym. Don't climb up. (laughs) Climb sideways as much as you can. Traverse over and over and over. Do climbs up and down if you are going to do them up. And just spend time on the wall. That makes a lot of sense. And I've been wrestling with this idea a lot, whether that's rock climbing or really any other sport, in terms of emulating the specific movements within the weight room and how beneficial that actually is, right? Like, for example, if we take a baseball player, how beneficial is it for them to take a med ball and slam it into the wall for three sets of five on each side? You know, or is it going to be way more beneficial to do, you know, maybe two days of lifting throughout the week if you want to get stronger in the off season or whatever, and then have them actually practice their sport? You know, instead of swinging a med ball, why don't you put a bat in their hand, which is actually what they're going to use in their sport? And it sounds like it's going to be the same thing for rock climbing. Right. The exact same thing. It it is difficult, though, because, you know, in sport. It is difficult to have measurability and natural progression with a lot of strength aspects of the sport. 
even in climbing, it, it can be done. But when I, I coach a team of 30 kids and, you know, we have basically a two and a half hour practice uh, with an additional 30 minutes of workout at the end, you know, I got to warm these kids up for 20 minutes. Now they've got two hours and 10 minutes of climbing essentially, and then 30 minutes to work out. I could have these kids do strength training on the wall, but organizationally, it would be very difficult to ensure proper form because it's much more nuanced than simply grabbing, you know, putting your hands on the floor and doing good push-ups. Mm-hmm. And it's very measurable to increase the uh, to change variables with push-ups. I could just have them, you know, uh, do a bench press instead and up the weights, or I could have them do multiple types of push-ups. But I like to, with people that I work with individually, especially in person, introduce them to all the exercises that you can do through climbing where you are targeting a muscle or muscles and you're also uh, picking up a lot of technique. That's how I like to do a lot of my training when I'm in this part of the season, the preseason. That makes sense. It's also exhausting doing all of the climbing training on the wall. Uh, sometimes it's nice to, after a long session, just turn your brain off, you know, move some weight, do some pull-ups. Yeah, that makes sense. Obviously, pull-ups, right, are going to be one of the main exercises to get better at climbing, which makes a lot of sense. You're pulling yourself up on the wall. You got to use a lot of forearm strength, a lot of lat, backs, everything in the back, right? What are some other important exercises that you have all your clients do like i know for me i have kind of like a basic six right like shoulder press um cleans you got bent over rows deadlifts squats bench press what are some for you that are like all right these are necessities i have to make sure my my clients are doing these exercises so i think bulletproofing your joints is going to be number one. So I usually have my clients do heavy isometrics for uh, lock-offs. I do alternate. I usually start everyone with an isometric cycle, uh, depending what their goals are and what their training age is. But bulletproofing the elbows with isometrics because it's just much more, you know, it builds better tendon density than normal concentrics. Uh, then I have them, so that would be like literally locking off in a bar with a lot of weight. I do overhead press and bench press to fortify the shoulders as well as lateral raise. Uh, then I have them do usually only one abdominal exercise. Uh, you know, people always say core is so important for climbing, but you know, they miss the point. It's just such old logic that people say core and they want to keep their feet on the wall and they all think that I need my abs to be strong. Yes. You want you to have some abdominal strength, but you really need such a minimal amount just to really hmm. push your leg into the wall when it's actually not on a hold. And then to get your foot back on the wall that pops off the wall and you're on very steep overhanging terrain. But in order to keep them on and control holds with your legs and pull your body into the wall, you need a strong posterior chain. So I, I love single leg um, deadlift, SLDLs, and um, hamstring bridges on TRX stra- uh, straps. 
That's a uh, hamstring bridges. That's a. I got you. No, that's a hamstring bridges. I didn't even think about that. That's a great, great exercise. Um, Yeah, dude, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm just trying to process everything you said there with the isometrics and everything like that. Um, You know, if, if someone comes to you and says, Charlie, I'm not like into weightlifting at all. And I just want to be a climber. Is it something that you're like, okay, yeah, just climb. Or is it like, listen, I get it. I understand that, but you're going to be, you know, you're going to be able to progress more if you do strength train. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if somebody says that I would probably try to rationalize with them in terms of really just like prehabbing their body and it's, it's just resilience. Like a strong body is a safe body. So if they're, if they're climbing, you have so much torque on all of your joints. There's so much change of direction. Uh, it's so much dynamic force, uncontrollability. If, uh, you know, something does not go planned and your foot pops off and you have crazy, uh, pull up through a shoulder or an elbow. So having a stronger frame, uh, that's received a stimulus over and over and over, even if it's just in your warm up, uh, will will be better prepared. And then also down the line, if you realize, you know, I'm I'm really struggling with compressing the wall, like squeezing inwards with my arms. It may be okay. It's time to, you know, you're probably limited in how much training you can actually do on that style of the wall because your fingers are going to fry out. So we can either find a perfectly balanced climb for you to run laps on all the time, and that's possible. But you know, you're you're really only looking at like. If, if you look at any gym, it's usually like one or two areas of the wall where you get that opportunity. So why, you know, be at the whim of what the setters throw up, which is never going to be dead even for both sides of the body uh, and might not even be forced on you. There might, It might be more leg heavy. So ensure the stimulus and ensure that you work on the weakness through targeted strength training. I like that. I like that a lot. And I wanted to go back to your, your core training comment. And I find that to be interesting what you said, but it does make sense because you really aren't like, I've, I've always felt like you're not really bracing your core the entire time, right? Like it's a lot of forearm strength. You're, you, you have to utilize your legs so much. I feel like it's a lot of rotational movement rather than like like pure strength if that makes sense just being able to have full range of motion you know in the transverse plane and being able to move in these different directions and be able to put your body in these weird ways rather than just like okay can I hold a plank for two minutes yeah mobility especially hip mobility is massive so unless you have and it's funny because you could have you could be mobile but unless you have strength through mobility you're really limiting yourself and extremely injury susceptible. Mm. That's a good point. Cause there are a lot of, a lot of positions you can assume on the wall, uh, by usually like sinking lower into, into like a, almost like an assisted, uh, stretch where someone's pushing on you. And if you then try to employ strength to get out of the position, you can really hurt yourself. That's when, why I prescribe, um, strength and mobility training. Yeah. 
Yeah, having full range of motion and being strong in all those ranges, right? That's what I like to right. preach to all my my clients too. Um, with with the mobility training, what are some things you do? I know cars are probably like my staple for any mobility training. Is there anything else? I mean, I know you said hips. I, I would say shoulders as well. Is there anything else where you're like, yeah, you want to make sure that you have adequate mobility to be a good climber? It's honestly everything I have people do is hips and ankles a little bit just to just if they really need it because mm. I you know mobility is the thing that everyone struggles with adherence to. It's not sexy. It's not fun. It's usually just pure discomfort, and the gains are extremely slow, and you really don't even feel them for a while and notice them for a while. So the payoff in everyone's mind is very low. So I usually just give people four exercises that the most crucial, and that's going to be a wide, like a, a split, as long as as far as you can hold it for a minute, a middle split. Then I have them do a kneeling tilt uh, to be able to actually open up their hips, the uh, abductors on the outside of the hip to assume that position on the wall without using your body weight to sink down into it. Then I have people do a tailor's pose or a a, a butterfly up against the wall and use weights to bring their legs open and out. And then I have them do a uh, wide squat, which is called horse stance. It's a deep, wide squat. And you use a kettlebell or a dumbbell in, while you're holding in your hands to bring your butt below your knees as you go down your squat. And once you can bring your butt below your knees for all of the reps in your set, uh, then I have people go wider. Gotcha. Yeah, I, li- I like those last ones. With the butterflies, do you have the back up against the wall? Okay. That's cool. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So let's transition over to the mental aspect of climbing, because I think this is just as, if not more important in terms of benefits of actually rock climbing. And like we mentioned and talked about earlier with, with the ADHD brain, it's great. It's almost like problem solving while moving your body through these high demands, which I love. That's why I really have enjoyed, you know, the past two to three months of learning how to rock climb is it's not just one of those like, okay, I go into the gym, I work out, I get a good sweat in, I get a good pump, I'm feeling jacked, great. It's like, okay, afterwards, oh, I just solved this problem of how to, you know, traverse up this wall or, you know, I, I made this move that I didn't know I could even make with my body. So talk a little bit about those mental benefits that you get from climbing. Huh mental benefits that I get from climbing. I don't, I really don't even know where to start. Honestly. Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd have to say the, the number one has always been, uh, the ability to endure failure and take setbacks and take a perceived failure and really find all the benefits in it. Because, when you're climbing, it, you're always challenging yourself. You're always trying to push your limit. I, I'd say 95% of people are. So every day you're basically going in the gym and trying something that's above your limit to really see, can I do this? And if you've done it en- enough, you know, yes, I can do this. Let's see how long it takes me to do it. 
because this represents the next level for me. And if I can, you know, take the failure, learn from it every time, make adjustments and, you know, improve my mental, my physical, my movement approach, then I will actually find success in this. And that has absolutely, but when I started climbing, I was 13 and I could feel that it would echo through into my schoolwork, into other small life goals that I had. Uh, you know, you, you don't always do everything first try and you can have two reactions. You can get frustrated and quit or not even, not even quit, but you can get frustrated and, you know, adopt a negative mindset, a loser's mindset and say, I'm, I'm losing. I'm a loser. I can't do this because of X, Y, Z. Or you can adopt a, a winning mindset and a success oriented mindset and say, okay, I know that I can't do this right now, but I just got a great signal and a little learning cue. So next time I get on there, I'm going to do better. I'm going to learn from that last mistake. And if I keep doing this and improving, I will find the success. It's going to happen. How many times have I been here before where, I, you know, I feel like, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. And then I eventually do it. So maybe now I'm smart enough to reflect on all those past times when I maybe have let that negative mindset seep in. And into other aspects of your life too, maybe a project at work. And you know, you always get the project done. You always finish it. You always submit it. And let's be honest, it's usually pretty good. So why torture yourself now? Why not relax and be more effective in your process? Yeah, I love that, man. And I think it's important to add that we all have those negative thoughts and mindsets. And it's important to check those when you do feel them where, you know, you are on the wall and you're like, oh, I'm worthless. Like I can't, you know, you just see someone do a V4 next to you and you're still struggling with your V0, V2. You know, you could take two approaches. You could say like, this isn't for me. I can't do this. Or you could say, wow, look at that guy. Maybe he's been training for a long time. Maybe ask him a couple questions, like get some feedback from him. I think it's all about your choices, man. It's all about like what you're deciding to do and how you perceive these certain challenges that you have. And that's why I think rock climbing, any sport really where there are challenges that you need to overcome are just a great avenue to be good at life because that's all life is, dude. It's just constant challenges, constant roadblocks and constant things for us to work through and realize like, okay, this might be hard, but I know my internal being, I know my skills, my strengths, I can get this shit done. And that's why I love rock climbing, especially like, yeah, I like those days when I feel good and I like, you know, complete all the routes that I wanted to complete. But I also really like those days where it's like, there's one route that I've been working on for the past 45 minutes and I just cannot figure it out. I keep getting stuck at this one part. And then, you know, by the end of that, your forearms are just destroyed. My hands are tired. I like, I can't do this anymore today, but you leave thinking like, I cannot wait to come back. And you're thinking about it on the walk to your car. You're like, how could I do that? How could I do this? Like, it's just so cool to have that opportunity to solve problems while moving your body. And I think that's, you know, a unique aspect of rock climbing that I've 
fallen in love with. And I know a lot of people who are obviously into rock climbing have also fallen in love with. It's an endless, unbelievably nuanced puzzle, each climb. And the one I'm working on right now outside, it's a V13. It's unbelievably difficult for me. And unless I do everything perfectly and touch the exact millimeter on every hole that I need to hit with the right part of my finger, it feels almost impossible. So all of the little details on how I have to pivot my foot, how I have to twist my hips, and all of it has to fit together. And my physical body has to be up to it, not only during that part of the month, but that day, that time of day, mm-hmm. I have to have eaten the right thing. Everything needs to fall perfectly into place. My mind needs to be healthy. I need to have the right people there, the right self-talk. It's When operating at your limit, you need to really figure out every piece of the puzzle. Yeah, I love I that. Love it. Yeah, I love that too, that every piece of the puzzle, right? There's so many pieces to this puzzle that we have to figure out. And even, you know, I I can speak to my football experience. It's the same thing. Everyone is working hard, you know, same with rock climbing. Like everyone's in the gym. Everyone is working on routes. That's great. It's those other things that you do, the other pillars of your health or of your performance that are important. You know, like we talked about strength training, mobility, taking care of your sleep, proper hydration, your relationships even. You know, if you have a bad relationship, if I was, you know, about to marry someone who I didn't like and was going home and we'd fight every night, it would completely destroy my performance in the gym. So like all these little things matter so, so much. And, you know, I even look back at my career and think about all, not even the stuff that I could have done more in the weight room or on the field, but I think more of like, damn, maybe if I didn't hang out with this girl, I would have been better. Or maybe if I, you know, ate a little differently, or, you know, I talked about earlier, maybe if I did my rest days a little bit different, I could have been a little bit better. So there's, I mean, it's never ending. You could always be a little bit better. Um, I think that's kind of the the fun part about it. Um, but also understanding like, hey, you know, it's not just about the work that I'm doing on the wall it's literally everything else I'm doing 24-7. It is, man. really is. Absolutely. And so many people don't understand that. You can contradict the efforts you make in the gym in almost every other aspect of your life. Make it so much harder to gain momentum. All about momentum. Mm. So you said you're married. Does your wife rock climb too? No. Not into it. No, she she used to a little bit. You know, if I go, she would go. She actually had a membership to a gym at one point when she was. I think we were dating. Once we got married, she was like, "Dude, I'm done. I don't have anything else to prove. I'm out." Like we went on the trip, and she climbed like four times in the two months, and she had a good time. But she just no, it's not for her. I get that. Yeah, yeah I I know. I took my fiance up. Um, pretty recently and she's a beast like she did a, a pretty good job but I could tell it was one of those like she's you know she's five two so it's it's extremely challenging um and I think it's it's almost rare to have that mindset where you're so disadvantaged like especially for me you know I'm I'm six one two twenty five trying to climb these rocks 
it's tough. Like it's, it is hard, but that's what makes it so fun for me is like, imagine if I could do this like all the time, you know, if I work on my skills and really work on certain things within rock climbing, the techniques, like, damn, I could be a 225 pound, like rock climber. Like, I could really do this. You know, I think that's the fun aspect of it. And once you start having that mindset, it's almost like, I always feel this too, is there's not enough time in the day to do shit that I want to do. I feel like there's so much fun stuff to do, whether that's like longboarding or rock climbing or doing like landmine workouts, whatever it is. Like, I just want to do so much. And I think having that mindset of looking at this as an opportunity to explore myself, learn more about my internal being, that's what makes it so much fun. And I think that's an important aspect if if you're going to embark upon a journey like rock climbing or getting into, you know, whether it's outside or indoor. No, for sure. Absolutely. Anything else that you want to discuss or anything regarding your training or any promotions you got to? Like, do you do any online coaching with rock climbing? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, actually have a second business. Uh, that is just online virtual coaching. I work with uh, tons of people throughout the country and, and actually the world right now um, working towards your goals. I use everything in my climbing history from training for the World Cups to uh, to training for outdoor goals to just training for crushing in the gym. And it's for all climbers of all levels, getting off the ground, someone that just wants to get better at their sport. Uh, my Instagram is at charlie46. I'm very close to launching my website. It's going to be for paradigmclimbing.com. And um, if anyone ever wants to work together, I, I love meeting new people. I just, I really like being a coach. It's, I, I'm always saying I'm so grateful I found the, the career that brings me the most joy. And I'm, I'm really 100% positive that this is the right career for me. I, I, just, I, I love working with people that are psyched on climbing. And, and teaching and showing people, hey, this is what I know, but I, and I know it's going to help you. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. And it shows, man. I, I love your Instagram. It's one of my favorite pages to follow, especially now that I've gotten into rock climbing and kind of learning new techniques and seeing what you're doing. It's inspiring. So I appreciate you, man. I'm, I'm super grateful we were able to connect and super grateful you were able to come on, dude. So I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Um, but everyone go follow Charlie for real. He's, he's a great follow and a lot of great information. And if you want to work with them, go work with them. Charlie, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Thanks Trevor. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure to meet you and talk with you. Corner.
Everybody wanna seem like they're living out the dream It's always about the green since we talked about